Yeah. Yeah. It's my girl. Now, now we're bringing it. Right. That's some good. chili chili whack for you bitching bitchers and complainers. Yeah. There you go. You just where's been your, chili you just been chili whacked. Yeah. Where's your where's your fucking faggot ass pilgrim smashing a guitar like an asshole? Right. Where's that at? Huh? <laughs> I'm going to show off that I'm a fucking idiot on stage by smashing my guitar. Right. I kick ass, man. I'm awesome. Man. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, since we're on kind of, you know, fucked up uh, music subjects. Yeah. Uh, you know, this whole woke thing. Mm hmm where people think that they're doing something that uh, is down for the cause. Okay. Uh, this guy, I don't know this guy from Adam, never heard of him. Uh, but he, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, you know, this guy. Okay. His name is early James. Oh, early James. No, no idea. Maybe I know him. Is, is this, what what's the song? Well, I don't know his his real music. Okay. But apparently this this kid, he's 26. Okay. And his name is Early James. No idea. Early James? Okay. Yeah. E A R L Y. All right. No. Early Early James. Don't know Early James. I don't either. But apparently because he's a young douchebag Okay. He believes he's doing something meaningful. Okay. By, um, since we did this earlier in the show, he's reimagining the words to a classic song. <laughs> okay. When early James took the stage as a guest on Marcus King's last waltz tribute show, which oh, that one which aired as a paid stream from Nashville this week. Okay. Don't know anything about it. And again, I wonder who paid for this. Okay. What, why would anybody pay to watch this? Well, early James was there. <laughs> okay. Again, the, the importance of these people mm -hmm. to, to get, you know, again, we, we offer the show for free via podcast. Sure. Obviously we put some time and effort and money into doing the whole video thing. Mm -hmm. And if you want to watch it, watch it. If you don't, then don't. Right. But apparently there was this live video thing from Nashville. Okay. So this early James, whoever this kid is, he was uh, a guest on this thing. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't entirely sure of himself. He said, I was terrified, said the Alabama singer, a songwriter, 26. I had to have a little bit of liquid courage before I got up there. Okay. So he downed some Jack and Coke or some mm -hmm. Jim Beam or something before he got on stage. Sure. Some Tanga Ray. Maybe some 
wild turkey or something. Tangeray for early, Ray. Apparently so. James had volunteered to perform the night they drove old Dixie down. Okay. The, the troubling requiem. Wait a minute. The trouble it that, that song has never been a troubling anything until now. Well, we'll pull up the pull up the lyrics. The night they tore old whiskey down. No, the night they drove old whiskey down. No, old, old Dixie down. I don't know the words. Hold on. The night they drove old. They drove old Dixie down. There's the lyrics. And there were bells were ringing, singing. Right, and yeah, that's, that's the one. Yeah, it's not giving me lyrics. Oh, here it is, lyrics. Okay, all right. The troubling requiem for the Confederate cause from the 1969 The Band. Mm-hmm. For more than 50 years, it's been the contradiction at the heart of the band's catalog. A poignant song, sung with passion and grit, by the late. Levon Helm, yet ultimately a vehicle for a wow, you're you're beating back, man. For a harmful racist American myth. All right. The words of Robbie Robertson wrote from the perspective of a poor Tennessee farmer in a nineteen or eighteen sixty-five have always been hard to square with the band's place in the generally progressive world of the 1960s and the 1970s folk and rock music. This year, as hateful monuments fall, hateful monuments are falling. Yeah, hateful monuments are falling. Okay. And Black Lives Matter protesters demand justice. Yeah, man. That paradox has finally given out. And James, who released an excellent solo debut, singing for my supper earlier this year, decided to do something about it. So this kid was going to do something about this song that's 50 years old. What's he going to do? Now you're, now I don't hear you at all. You don't hear me at all? Now you, now I hear you. All right. Yeah, I turned the recording property way down. Again. All right. Uh, I hope we piss off the right people by changing these words, he said. Okay. Who are the right people? Donald J. Trump. Is that is that who he's making reference to? Sure, it is, and all his supporters. Yeah, is it? Well, again, if if you're gonna mean that, why don't you just come out and say that, brave man? Because he's a chicken shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope he picks off the right people. Yeah. Who who are you making reference to, there, pal? White supremacists that use yeah. this song as their national anthem. Really? I don't think anybody I know goes, man, you know, that night they drove O'Dixie down. That was a kick-ass tune. I'm going to be honest. I'm sure right now we're going to spell out what this song means. I never knew that this song had any bad meaning at all. I just always liked it. 
Well, again, I don't know that it even has any bad meaning, to be honest with you. Okay. But early James believes it was hor- horrific. Well, if early James says so, then I better pay attention. Well, he is a millennial, so he knows better. Sure does. All right. James went on to deliver a version of the band's song with enough key lyrics altered to transform it from a eulogy for the lost cause to a forceful argument for leaving those lies in the dirt. Yeah, man. In the first verse where Helm sang that the fall of the Confederacy was a time I remember oh so well, James declared it a time to bid farewell. Wow. What a staggering re-imaging that is. He reimagined this song. Well, he stood up to it, man. Yeah, man. He took lyrics that were more than twice the age of him and he changed it forever he showed them a thing or two he did if any of the people from the band are still alive they probably reconsidered their whole career yeah just like george lynch sure did (laughs) that's probably why george dropped the lynch mob he heard these lyrics reworked yeah well he he did spend some time in nashville while, sure, his daughter, while he, his daughter banged out an Ill, illegitimate child from Richie Faulkner. Yeah, that's it. Richie's <laughs> daughter was riding Richie Faulkner's dick while he was fucking riding the fucking SJW dick, apparently. Yeah, of course. Or sucking it. Yeah. <laughs> In the chorus, instead of mourning the downfall, he sang, Tonight we drive old Dixie down his most thorough and powerful revision came in the song's final verse well you know because you know he sat there in his bedroom penning words to a song so he was down for the cause but i'm sure he held the pencil like this with his hand and scribbled hard (laughs) he's so brave i'll show those motherfuckers so brave so bold so So, brave so daring unlike my father before me who i will never understand unlike the others below me who took a rebel stand so here he is he he's so much more enlightened and elevated over top of anybody who has any other beliefs aside from his own that's right what a pompous dick (laughs) depraved empowered to enslave i think it's time we laid hate in its grave i swear by the mud below my feet i.e the people who who are below me they're just mud to me pal mud people yeah garbage people (laughs) just pieces of shit below my golden feet yeah can you tell the difference between shit and mud i can't no not at all that monument won't stand no matter no matter how much concrete inspiring nearly inspiring it is (laughs) the hairs on the back of my neck are standing up at least as we speak 
Me too. Wow. James had stayed up until 5 a.m. the morning of the show. Wow. Rewriting Robertson's lyrics with help from his girlfriend. Well, costume, <laughs> costume designer Cammy Windley. This guy's a creative genius. Well, his girlfriend was helping him. My God, he was able to stay up without his mommy holding his hand and waking him up in the morning. Well, he was inspired by his chick. This guy is something. Yeah. So bold, so brave. I stayed awake till sunrise. Yeah, so did Mark Starachi when he said stayed awake all night. Yeah, this guy is a douche. The lines that made me cringe. I had to change those, he said. How about you write your own song, dick fuck? Not capable of that, are you? Can't write your own melody, can you? Instead, you'll take something that was successful and use it as a fucking lame play to get attention for yourself. Of course. You're a fucking dick. Fuck you, early James. Fuck you. Yeah. I'm I don't even know this. I don't even know what these words of this original song mean. Well, that's why I asked you to pull the lyrics up. Yeah. I mean, I see them, but all right. Well, I'm going to have your, I'm going to have you recite them in a second. Okay. I'm from the South. I grew up with racist family members. The song just kind of wrote itself. Hmm. Is this a white guy or a black guy? It's a white guy. All right. Growing up in Troy, Alabama, a small city about two hours south of Birmingham, where he currently lives, James often heard the night they drove old Dixie down side by side by Leonard Skinner's Sweet Home Alabama. Another songs of Southern Pride. Another racist piece of shit band. You can't be from the South and not hear these songs, he said. No People way. take that song as their anthem. Do they really? <laughs> Do they really? When people had songs as their ringtone, I remember that being one of them. He notes one irony. They had no idea Robert, Robbie Robertson was a Canadian. If they had... They would have hated that song. People are just ignorant. What? <laughs> well, Robbie Robertson was Canadian. So if so they, when do we hate Canadians? Oh, I, I don't know that answer. <laughs> I, I mean, we do. But since when have we ever openly hated Canadians? I, I don't know that anybody ever hated Canadians. I mean, <laughs> in, in your lifetime. If if somebody moved here from Canada, i.e. <laughs> Michael J. Fox or or. <laughs> Somebody Aldo Nova or whatever. Yeah, He's Canadian. I hate his fucking ass. Never. <laughs> Never. Never. As far as we're concerned, Canada is part of the U.S. Yeah. It might as well be. It is. It's just another part of Detroit as far as I'm concerned. Exactly. Nobody looks at Canada as their own country. Since when have we had this Canada hate this guy's, this guy's been growing up like a fucking moron? There are a bunch of white people up there just north of the border. Those guys fucking hated this song. Never even knew it was written yeah. by. Him. They were Canadian and he was writing about the South. Fuck that guy. 
They would have hated him worse if they knew he was from Canada. Well, they probably hate him now because uh, Trudeau is is a faggot. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that. So, so why don't you read us some of the lyrics from the night they drove old Dixie down? All right, here's the lyrics. All right, here it is. Let's, First let's, one. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I want to put a disclaimer out there. Mm-hmm. For, the, for those of you who are offended by hate lyrics, yeah. turn your turn the show off now. Go to bed. There's definitely hate lyrics in this. Yeah. Here comes the hate. All right, here we go. Virgil Kane is the name, and I served on a Danville train till Stoneman's cavalry came and tore up the tracks again. In the, I'm assuming that's how they pronounce it. Yeah, well, of course, I got to make it rhyme. Right. In the winter of 65, we were hungry, just barely alive. Okay. By May the 10th, Richmond had fell. It's a time I remember oh so well. All right. So this guy's thinking about the Confederate, uh, you know, the, the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then the chorus, the night they drove old Dixie down and all the bells were ringing. The night they drove old Dixie down and the people were singing, they went la, 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 and et cetera, et cetera. So then verse two, back with my wife in Tennessee, when one day she called to me, Mm -hmm. Virgil quick, come see, there goes Robert E. Lee. All right. So he was the general of the Confederate army. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now I don't mind chopping wood. And I don't care if the money's no good. You take what you need and you leave the rest, but they should never have taken the very best. Okay. Then the chorus again. Yeah. And then the third verse is like my father before me, I will work the land. And like my brother above me who took a rebel stand. Okay. He was just 18 proud and brave. Just a Yankee laid him in his grave. Okay. I swear by the mud below my feet, you can't raise a cane back up when he's in defeat. And then the chorus out. That's That's it. it. That's it. Wow. Where was the hate in the, (laughs) where was the hate? It sounds to me like this dude was just, you know, celebrating his brother that died fighting for the confederacy he was just the dude that they had a belief okay so they just said all right well we're gonna fight for our rights and so did uh you know um what was the uh what was the band uh fight for your right to party beasties yeah the boys yeah were were there were their lyrics hateful fight for your right they were they were they were they they should have said uh you know Fight for your right for BLM. Right, of course. That's what it should have been. Right. <laughs> I I didn't hear a goddamn hateful thing in that song at all. Neely, that's because you're biased toward the hate. No, I have white privilege. You do. Don't forget that. And and you're biased to to, to be hateful. You're 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 groomed to be hateful. All right. Mm-hmm. So so this this Robbie Robertson was writing a song from the perspective from a Confederate soldier. Mm-hmm. He was. All right. And then what? Then he went home and he worked his land. Yeah. 
he started planting his cotton, his corn, and his soybeans and his wheat. He did. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then what? Nothing. Nothing at all. <laughs> all right. So it's funny. So this, so this jag off, he says, people take that song as their anthem. When, when has anybody are, ever taken that song as an anthem? That's not even an anthem. Just kind of, that just kind of tells a story. It, it's not an anthem. Sweet home Alabama or Freebird, probably more Freebird. That that's sort of an anthem. Sort of. You know, you mentioned it before. Fight for your right to party. That's an anthem. That is an anthem. Fight for your right to party. Yeah. This guy doesn't know what an anthem is because he's from this generation that doesn't have any anthems. But you know, an anthem is one that you put your hands on. You're like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is not an anthem. The band, nobody ever, nobody ever said, you know what band has a lot of good anthemic music, the band. You never hear that played in stadiums during sports events. No. If, if the band is still a band at tours, they probably play in front of 300 people at a fucking barbecue rib cook off. Right. You know, they're, they're, that's not an anthemic band and not an anthemic song. Not at all. I, I've never heard that played in a stadium. Have you? No. I mean, like maybe American pie is more anthemic. Don McLean, American maybe. pie. But, but you don't even hear that played in a no. stadium. No, instead you get enter Sandman. Yeah. And crazy train. Yeah. Or, or hell's bells. Yeah. Those are or, the, or back in black. Yeah. Those are your anthems. Yeah. Dumb. He may have stayed up till five, but that wasn't early enough for early James. Right. Fucking moron. As a young child, he attended a private elementary school. Privileged fuck. You privileged yeah. white kid. Mm-hmm. In part, he says, because my dad didn't want me to go to school with black people. Mm-hmm. No, you, you went to private school because your dad could afford yeah. To pay you to, to, to pay to let you go there. The old man was trying to get you educated. Apparently he failed. He was trying to get you a good education outside of the constructs of what is the, uh, you know, mandated, uh, federal or state school. Yeah. Unfortunately, he fed you to the fucking liberal teaching mode that fucking taught you to be a pussy. Yeah. So you should have thanked your dad said, you know what? I didn't have to attend this, uh, you know, homogenized bullshit that the, that the, uh, state and federal level teaches us. I'm going to go to a good school because I can afford it. He didn't like that. Neely didn't like that at all. This kid's a fucking faggot (laughs) after his parents split up. Oh yeah. Good parenting. He ended up transferring to a more integrated public school. He remembers one history teacher around ninth grade who was particularly fond of the Confederate nostalgia. Mm -hmm. He would say Robert E. Lee was a military genius. Well, because he fought for the Confederacy, does that mean he wasn't moron, a, a good general moron? Okay. Wrong team. (laughs) He said that he would say that Robert E. Lee was a military genius 
say they didn't own slaves, even though he did! Exclamation mm-hmm. point. He'd say it was all about the state's rights. Well, there was a lot of, there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. People just, they deny that, but it really was about states' rights. Yeah. Just glorifying the South and making all the excuses in the world. It wasn't an excuse. It was a, it was a legitimate cause. It was legitimate. Well, here, this is the piece that's always lost in the mix. All these fucking knotheads, these SJW dickwads, they come from the perspective of today. And looking through through the prism of today, of course it looks fucked up. But that isn't the prism that we were were that we were in. People were treated differently. Values were different. How people were were treated was different, and I'm not even justifying it. I'm just yeah, saying it's just the perception of what it was at that time. Nobody in that time, because of the way the world was at that time, not just the United States, but the world, because of the way the world was at that time, there was not this superior, huge outcry of you can't own human beings. There wasn't that outcry, at least at the beginning of when the slaves came over. There wasn't that outcry. No, not at all. The, the outcry was the same as owning a fucking mule. You know, we've all seen those videos. We all watched Roots where they're checking their teeth and shit to make sure that they're fucking healthy. They, they were fucking livestock. Well, of course, that goes back to the old uh, adage. Don't lift. Don't look a uh, gift horse in the mouth. Yeah. Yeah, because that meant don't check its teeth to see if it's good if you're right. being given this for nothing. Right. But that's that's the whole deal is that these fucking knotheads like early James are fucking judging through today's prism. And I today's prism isn't isn't where these decisions were made. You know, in today's prism, there would not be a civil war. There oh. would not be people looking to to end all black people or put black people in chains and have them fucking, you know, plowing fields and picking cotton and shit like that. It's just not the prison we live in anymore. But back in those days, that was what we had. That was the norm. That was what was, that was accepted, not just in the United States, but around the globe. In other places, they had slavery. They had Jewish slaves. They had white slaves. They had Egyptian slaves. You know, this fucking perception that the United States and black people are the only people that have ever been enslaved is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. There are are still people who are still enslaved even to this day. Exactly. Learn some fucking history. Look at Epstein's fucking island, you dicks. Yeah. A lot of people fucking enslaved there. Right. Idiots. James, a self-described nerd who had sought out his own reading material on the subject recalls drawing the same teacher's ire by praising the union cause. He thought it was terrible that I thought Sherman was cool for burning down Atlanta. He was a history teacher, but he didn't want to know the facts. Mm. He forced that blissful ignorance on us. Well, did you know that uh, when, when Lincoln freed the slaves, even though uh, he did a good thing by doing that, that he basically wanted to send them all back to Africa. Were you aware of that? 
Apparently not. Apparently not. At other times, the prejudice he grew up around took more subtle forms. Racism got brushed under the rug growing up, he said. Now it's finally a time when at least my friends in certain parts of the South are actually saying, no, dude, I don't want to be around you or telling people to shut up if they're racist. When I was a kid, if I, if, if someone would make a joke using the N word, people would laugh just not to have to be uncomfortable, have uncomfortable silence. That doesn't fly anymore, which is nice. Even in recent years, though, there have been, he's been dismayed to spot Confederate flags at music festivals he's played. Great. In later decades, Robertson had distanced himself from somewhat of the Confederate imagery in one of his most famous songs. Uh, He told an interviewer at Sirius XM last fall that he got the idea from a visit to the Helms parents in Arkansas. I was trying to write a song that I thought, uh, Levon could sing better than anybody in the world. That's all it was. That's what I meant it to be for his part. James didn't see his reverse revision of the night. They drove old Dixie down as particularly a brave act compared to what protesters and the support of Black Lives Matter have risked this year. I'm not a, I'm not as courageous as those people, he said. Shut up. It was an easy stand for me to take. I felt like the tiniest thing it was I could do. So courageous, burning down fucking stores and stealing yeah. shoes. Yeah. So brave, so bold. Shut up. This guy's a dick. He's a dick like his whole goddamn generation. Of course they are. All generation of dicks. <laughs> Hate this fucking guy. I know. But again, he gets probably most of his, uh, you know, information from Facebook and mm-hmm. Twitter and, you know, God knows what. Yeah, Instagram knowledge. Right. Great. All right. All right, one more one more short story and we'll get out of here. All right. <laughs> this one is this one will just drive you right over the edge. Michael Obama says that says the hypocrisy of Donald Trump's government and racial tensions in the US have contributed to her suffering low grade depression. Well, That's something. (laughs) Speaking on her new podcast, the former first lady opened up about lacking motivation and feeling low during the coronavirus lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. Like like she's uh, abiding by a lockdown, right? First of all, she's not. Second of all, what human being doesn't feel like shit being in this lockdown? Well, it's Donald Trump's fault. Yeah, it's not... How did Donald Trump influence the rest of the fucking planet, you bitch? And I use bitch loosely because that's, I should call you a cock. (laughs) She said she had been feeling out of body, out of mind, and had her sleep has been off. Poor baby. You know, 
with her fucking 9,000 fucking thread count sheets in her dinner, $10 million home. Fuck yeah. you. Your life is so bad. You know, I can't even get a new movie in the private theater. Neely. <laughs> it's really fucking tough these days. Right. I'm used to watching whatever's on Disney plus now with the kids. Sure. And Eric Braverman. Yeah. And Eric Braverman, <laughs> just a bunch of guys hanging out watching. Right. TV. I know that I'm dealing with some kind of form of low grade depression, said Mrs. Obama, not just because of the quarantine, but because of this racial strife and just seeing this administration, the hypocrisy of it all day in and day out. It's irritating. You know what? Turn your fucking TV off. Take your boat out on Martha's Vineyard because I think that's where this fucking twat lives. Well, that's one of their mansions. Yeah. yeah. Well, go out in your Martha's Vineyard yacht and go and fucking sail around and enjoy your life, you fucking bitch. Turn off the fucking CNN that you're clearly watching, and then you won't have to deal with any of the racial strife. You're a fucking multimillionaire that's entitled and fucking protected more than anybody else on this planet. So your little depression means shit. You don't have any reason to be depressed. You're rich, you're overprotected, and you've got every advantage over every other fucking human being on the planet. So fuck you. And if that still leaves you depressed, then I hope you don't have a bottle of pills laying around, bitch. <laughs> Fuck hope, you. No, I hope you have a bottle of pills laying no. around. I hope you take all of them no, out. We cannot wish that because we don't want the <laughs> on the door. So right. we hope she doesn't take the bottle of pills. Right. But Jesus Christ, I don't want to hear about some fucking spoiled rich twat telling me how dis- depressed she is. Fuck you. <laughs> You know who else is depressed? Oprah. Oprah is fucking really depressed with her billions of dollars and her 10 homes. You know, she doesn't have anybody coming to her audience to give cars to now. And it's very depressing. Shut up, Mike. <laughs> Fuck off. Speaking on the podcast, journalist uh, Michelle Norris, she said she tried to improve her mood by exercising but that often she felt too low to do it spiritually. These are not fulfilling times, said Michael Obama. Yeah. Her cock kept getting in the way when she was doing squats, right? The 56 year old also gave a glimpse into the, how the Obamas have been dealing with the coop being cooped up together. Yeah. Like they're cooped up together. Tackling the 1000 piece jigsaw puzzle together and setting up a vicious card tournament. She's probably just bored because fucking Epstein Island is closed now. Yeah. Can't get out there to fucking have some teenage fun. Right. Mrs. Obama said, usually they go off on their own spaces during the day. Barack is in his office, making calls, working on his book. I'm in my room. The girls are on their computers. But right after five o'clock, everybody comes out of their nooks and we like to do activities like puzzles and have become uh, like puzzles have become big. Just sitting and doing these thousands of tiny pieces. What a miserable life. (laughs) The girls are just like into them and we're all sitting on the floor around the table where the puzzle 
is now permanently set up. After dinner, she said they get out the playing cards. The girls and Barack and other friends come here. Are they wearing masks, Michael? I would hope so. They've got a spades tournament, so Barack has taught the girls spades. Hey, we don't need that kind of language, Neely. <laughs> well, we call the spade it's a spade. Family. It's a black well, family. Well, we call a spade a spade. Can't we just, even if it's not the right game, say hearts? Yeah. For God's sakes, Neely, you're being very insensitive here. You're you're worse than an early Ray fucking song. I I think I think so. Jeez. So there's this vicious competition," said Michael Obama. They would have sat down, but for this quarantine to learn how to play card a card game with their dad, they wouldn't. The Michelle Obama podcast began on Spotify last week with the first episode featuring her husband and former president. Barack Milhouse, <laughs> Amito, uh, or uh, <laughs> whatever his name is, Obama. Hussein? <laughs> yeah. Barack Milhouse, uh, Benita Hussein Obama. There it is. All right. She's Fuck so depressed. Yeah, it's such a tough life. Fuck off. It it's tough. It's yeah. tough. Just go fuck yourself. It's Mike. very strange how a former president and his wife, after leaving the the uh, White House under four years, have become multimillionaires. Yeah, how about that? How did that happen? Just Does anybody what? ever question that? Well, you know, they had that extensive business knowledge ahead of time. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> they came into the they came into the White House to broke dicks, and they yeah. they left the White House and. You know, four years later, they're multimillionaires. You learn a lot as a disgraced lawyer and a fucking civil organizer. Really? You learn how how to make a lot of money doing those jobs. How did that happen? You learn a lot, Neely. How did, how come nobody ever questions that? How come the media never questions that? How come nobody's asking for their tax returns or wondering where all that money came from? Private citizens. Private citizens. Okay. Need to share that. All right. All right. Well, that's going to do another show. Here we go. We're out. All right. Went quick. It was fast. It was fun. Sure was. All right. Well, we're going to be uh, live. We're going to do a show uh, on, uh, what is it? August August 29th. Yep. And this is where, where is this happening? Give everybody the info. It is the um, smoke and rock and roll summer blowout and pig roast. It is Saturday. August the 29th from 2 p.m. to 7 p.m. We will be streaming live from the event. And for those of you that are not at the event, we will replay the audio of it um, during the normal CMS time. Um, It is located at 605 Clay Road out there in um, Bay Village, Bay Village, Ohio. I don't know the zip code, but um, for more information, smokeandrockandroll.com. All right. Well, if you're in the Ohio area or if you want to make the trip and you want some excellent barbecue that our good friend Billy Morris and uh, Greg Chastain. Not Greg, Todd. Todd. Greg's Greg's from Badlands. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Todd from uh, Tough. Yeah, Todd from Tough. Yep. Uh, If you want to check out some of their food, uh, it's really top-notch. 
Yeah, the food alone is it's not worth it to come see us. I'll tell you that straight up. Well, there's there's really Ooh. nothing to see. Chris and I will be sitting at a table talking in a couple of mics. I mean, there's yeah. really nothing to see. But the food fucking rules. Yeah. So if you want some chicken and ribs and some really good shit, come on out to that thing if you're in the area or you want to make the trip. Yeah. And uh, we'll be out there and we'll be broadcasting live and there will be some live entertainment, all kinds of good shit. Yep. Stuff to do, live entertainment, bands. It's fun. It'll be fun. All right. About three weeks from now. Yep. All right. So we're going to do a live show. We're going to stream live. We're going to be out there. We're going to be hoisting some uh, adult beverages, eating some barbecue, broadcasting live, all that good stuff. So uh, if you want to come out, come on out. Yeah, if you don't, fuck you. Yeah, stay home then, fuck face. Yeah, hang out with Michelle Obama and her boyfriend, uh, Barack. Yeah. (laughs) Listen to their podcast. Two guys hanging out. Yeah, some dudes swinging their dicks. Yep. (laughs) All right, I'm going to let you pick a song and get us out of here for tonight. All right, Night Ranger, goodbye. (laughs) Well, that's pretty simple and sweet. How's that? All right. Fucking goodbye, pals. Goodbye, fuckies. <laughs> All right. Let me pull up some Night Ranger and right. get us out of here. Uh, where are we at here? Night Ranger. Night Ranger. There we go. All right. Well, we're going to get out of here. We'll be back next Saturday. We'll do this thing all over again. So until next Saturday night, this is Neely along with my very good friend. Chris Aiken. And we're out of here. Bye, kids.